Good morning, and peace be with you. We have some announcements this morning I'd like to bring to your attention that aren't necessarily on here. They will be next week, but yesterday was our council meeting, and I need to make you aware of the upcoming congregational meeting that is January the 16th. And we will, by our Constitution, be reminding people via bulletins, via announcements in church, and also a mailing of this occurrence. And again, that is going to happen on January the 16th. On January the 9th, which is the second Saturday of the month, we will have our regular scheduled council meeting. And at that time, we invite people to come and hear and ask questions in regards to the coming year. Any questions that you might have on uh, our budget, on our Constitution, which we have made changes to. We have made changes to the Constitution in order to more clearly reflect that we are a church that is affiliated not only with the NALC, the North American Lutheran Church, but also the LCMC, which is Lutheran Congregations in Mission for Christ. So our, they're very small changes, but they explicitly show that we are duly affiliated, which was the intent of the original Constitution that, by which we are working on under now. So if there are any questions in regards to that, please contact a council member. Randy Dustin is the, the uh, president, or you can speak to me or come to this uh, council meeting on January the 9th. And that is about, oh, no, that's not all that I have. We are always looking for people to be on council. And so this year uh, we have, I think, some people that may be timing out. Uh, and so we are always looking for people to volunteer to be on council. So please prayerfully consider that. Missions. We have been faithful over the years in supporting missionaries, and there is a group that, uh, that I would like for us to focus on uh, at once a month, excuse me, one month out of the year, and that is the Shamil family. They are uh, missionaries that are in the Ukraine, and they have actually come and visited us uh, over, uh, maybe it's about two years ago now. And so this month's focus will be on them uh, for a gift offering in their efforts in the Ukraine to bring Christ to that uh, segment of the world. They are specifically working with youth and uh, trying to get to the people, get the gospel to the youth. And uh, we just really would appreciate your prayers and any uh, offering that you might uh, be able to give to them. And then the other question I would have for you or, or statement or challenge or however you want, we, we have been given a commission, and that is to go out into all the world to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. That's the Great Commission. 
And there are a myriad of missions out there that we could support. And we do support missions. In fact, even the sister church that worships here, uh, Victory Outreach, is a mission. And we are supporting that. However, if you have knowledge of or a heart for a mission, won't you please let us know? And we can put them on the list and help them maybe one month out of the year. Does that sound like something that we would enjoy doing here? Yeah. So uh, I I just want to make sure that I invite you to do that. And our opening hymn is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
We come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, 
heavenly King, almighty God and Father. We worship you, we give you thanks. We praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Receive our prayer. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High. Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we implore you to hear our prayers and to lighten the darkness of our hearts by your gracious visitation. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. The first reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11, which can be found on page 1157 in your pew Bible. The first four verses of this reading show Isaiah's mission of conveying hope for God's people. The second three verses are God's promise of a reward for those who are faithful. Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, and 8 through 11. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are people the Lord has blessed. 
I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the soil makes the sprouts come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all the nations. We will read Psalm 126 responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin. This psalm was possibly written to celebrate the exile's return from the captivity of Babylon. For those who believe, God will do great things. Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Our next reading is taken from the first book of Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 24, and can be found on page 1841 in the Pew Bible. This is part of Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica and says, even though we don't know when we will be united with Christ, these final instructions ensure that we will. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 24. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you please stand if you're able? Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. John from the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. John, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 and 19 through 28, and it can be found on page 1646 in the Pew Bible. John 1, 6 through 8 and 19 through 28. 
There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And this all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Growing up in the little town that I grew up in, there were many foes that I came across. It was just growing up in a small town. There were bullies. There were people that uh, wanted to take one up on you. Even my big brother was a source of fear for me. And one of the things that came to me in regards to Advent, of all things, is about expectation. We have an expectation of the Lord coming, right? But this is a joyful expectation. But for whatever reason, creeping, creeping into my mind came the words of foes and even my big brother, and that was this. When you least expect it, expect it. Right? And that changed my life because it's not easy to sneak up on me. I've been snuck up on so many times that I'm always in kind of a state of expectation. But I digress. 
It'll make sense in a little bit, I promise. Last week, our gospel, we introduced or were introduced to John the Baptist. And today's gospel tells us about the Jewish authorities, the two different groups that came out to investigate the baptizer. And it is not really all that unusual. It shouldn't be to us unusual to, to think that the authorities of the time would come out and investigate men who came on the scene and claimed to have a religious message. They just did that. The first century Israel was full of people who were eagerly awaiting the Messiah. And there were many men who were eager to give them, that is the people awaiting a Messiah, what they asked for. False messiahs and other prophets were showing up on a regular basis. You could say they were a dime a dozen. In fact, there was a Pharisee named Gamaliel, Gamaliel, who is referenced in Scripture, and he made some remarks concerning a couple of these false prophets to the Jewish ruling council. And he said, uh, it's recorded in Acts chapter 5, verses 36 through 37. He said this, Before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. Further, he said, Thutis was killed and all who followed him were dispersed, and they came to nothing. In verse 37, it says, After him, Judas, the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. And he too perished. And all who followed him were scattered. Now for us, from these words, we learn the names of at least two men who made special claims of themselves, special claims of themselves. And we really should expect that the ruling authorities in Jerusalem of the time, we would expect them to send men to investigate anyone, anyone who attracted a following. So when we learn that a couple of delegations came out to investigate John, we should understand that they were doing exactly what they were supposed to do. They were checking up on John to make sure that he was not misleading the people. And these delegates really are not out to trap John in his words. Instead, they were asking they were asking legitimate questions. In John, we see a prophet doing exactly what he was supposed to do. A prophet is supposed to confess the Christ. When the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem asked him, Who are you? He confessed. And he did not deny 
But he confessed, I am not the Christ. Now, a true prophet is a true prophet because he proclaims the truth. He proclaims the truth because that is what God gave him to proclaim. Now, a little bit about the truth. Those that have studied the prophets, those that have studied life know this. The truth might make people sad. The truth might terrify people. The truth might make people angry. In fact, the truth might make people angry enough to kill the prophet. But nevertheless, the prophet tells the truth that he received from God. The truth that John had for his listeners was all about the coming of the Lord. John told the members of the delegation that he was preparing the way of the Lord. The Lord whose sandal he was unworthy to untie. Again, it's not really unusual for rabbis to say that the Messiah was near, and it was certainly appropriate for a rabbi to say that he was unworthy compared to the Messiah. Now, what made John's message unique was that his insistence, his insistence was that the Lord was standing amongst the people right now. John taught as though that the very Lord of which he was, or whom which he was preparing the way, was listening amongst them to his every word. And this was definitely new. And this kind of preaching was definitely unusual. And the sad thing in the gospel assigned for today is that the men in the delegations wanted to know who John was, but they didn't really care. They didn't care to hear his message. And when John told them that the Lord was in the crowd, standing among the people, they were not impressed. As far as they were concerned, no one in the crowd looked particularly messianic. The problem is is that the men in the delegations had preconceived notions about the coming Messiah and his messenger. And And the fact is, according to those preconceptions, he did not match up. He was not what they expected. For they expected the Messiah to reveal himself in worldly glory and power. They expected the Messiah's messenger to be a splendid reflection of glory and of power. (laughs) And so when we see John, a shaggy-haired eccentric, he didn't fit their notion of the prophet 
the prophet of the Messiah. Their preconceived notions blinded them to the blessings that God wanted to give them through his servant, John the Baptizer. And we know that John the Evangelist, his brother James, and all the other disciples of the Baptizer, they would soon, soon meet the Christ. But the men in these delegations, they would miss out. They passed up the opportunity of a lifetime because the Baptizer did not meet their expectations. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years. We still let our expectations block our relationship with God. We expect our religion to teach us how to get along with others. Even though thousands of years of human history shows us that we can't get along with others. We expect our religion to teach us to lead an honorable life, even though we have inherited the curse of sin from our parents as we grew in our mother's womb. There is no getting around that. We expect our religion to make us happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. In short, we expect our religion to teach us how to live happy and prosperous lives here on this earth and how to earn our way into heaven when we leave this world. Despite the fact that the Bible clearly teaches us that that is just impossible. We expect Jesus to be just a great moral teacher or a, a life coach or an example of how to live. And so that's all that we really see. We miss the opportunity of a lifetime because of our limited expectations. The salvation God gives us is unexpected. The true God is the Almighty Lord of this and every other universe. Really. But who would expect such a high and exalted God to pay the high price of salvation on the behalf of such lowly people? Who would expect him to give it to us for free? Who would expect God to leave his high throne of glory to take on human nature and live under the authority of the law? Who would expect a Savior to hide his divinity in the womb of a virgin? Who would expect a Savior that was so poor that even in his death, he was laid in a borrowed tomb. Who would expect salvation to come out of the blood and the bone and the sweat and the pain 
of a grisly execution on a cross. Who would expect the dead author of this salvation to rise from the dead or ascend into heaven? Nevertheless, this is the salvation that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, offers to us. This is the salvation that he earned for us when he sacrificed himself on the cross. This is the salvation that he promised to us when he rose from the dead. It is not what we would expect, but it is the truth. If our salvation is so unexpected, how can we possibly take this salvation for ourselves? Well, the simple answer is we can't. It's too unexpected. We, God must change us. He must change us so that we can receive his unexpected salvation. When you least expect it, expect it. He must do something in us that we cannot do for ourselves. He must give us the faith that receives his gifts. And just as God earned our salvation in an unexpected way, he also works faith in us in unexpected ways. Who would expect that the almighty God of the universe, who would expect him to come through the teaching and the preaching from frail, fallible, sinful men? Who would expect the Holy Spirit to rely on the Word of God as it is written and read to change the hearts of readers and hearers? Who would expect water connected with the Word of God to offer forgiveness, life, and salvation, even to little babies. Who would expect bread and wine combined with that same word to carry the body and the blood of our Savior into our mouths? God is the God of unexpected. And it is the unexpected faith that he works in our hearts by these unexpected means that give us his unexpected salvation. The God of the unexpected, he's coming again. And that too will be unexpected for many. Everyone will receive more than they expect. Those who did not trust God's grace to save them will receive more punishment than they expected. Those who believe in him will receive 
more blessings than they expected. And during this season of Advent, the Holy Spirit prepares us for Christ's unexpected return so that we live lives that expect the unexpected. And only those who live in the unexpected joy that proceeds from God's saving gift of faith will be ready. All of the others, with their preconceived notions of how it is, all of the others that rely on their own understanding, all of the others, like the two delegations that came out to question John, will miss out. But not you. What are your expectations? In the name of Jesus, amen. Grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from a raging sea, and I am safe on this solid ground. The Lord is my salvation.
Please stand if you're able. Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all that is unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. Light from light, true God from true God, God and not made, one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate with the Virgin Mary was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
as a family in Jesus Christ. Let us pray to God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, His Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Holy Father, we give you our thanks for all of the wonderful blessings you have bestowed upon us, even as we grumble about the difficulties in life in which we find ourselves today. You already know about the COVID virus and its harm to many of us, your children, around the world. You know about the lies, deceit, and corruption within our elected representatives at all levels of government, in our news media and social media, as well as the efforts to drive our society farther away from you and your precepts for safe and peaceful lives. Thank you for continuing to shed light on the hypocrisy of the self-serving modern-day Sadducees and Pharisees whom we have elected to lead us. Even in the midst of all of this evil, you have continued to bless each of us and the United States. When we take time to compare our individual and national blessings, including food, clothing, modern medical technologies, and individual freedoms, to those of every other people and nation on earth, we're embarrassed by our complaints. Our parents and grandparents endured much more for much longer than we have so far this year because of your support and direction. We too can endure our problems and find solutions as long as you remain with us and guide us. Please continue to bless the United States so that we may continue to share those blessings with others around the world as no other country can. Holy Spirit, please open our minds and hearts to the Lord's voice and give us the strength and tenacity to pursue his direction for our lives and the direction our nation is to follow. Please provide divine frustration to anyone who would undermine your way for our lives. Almighty Lord, thank you for guiding scientists around the world to work together to develop a vaccine to protect us from the COVID virus. Thank you for all of our government workers and private sector industry leaders and employees who work together tirelessly to develop and provide therapeutic treatments and protective equipment to infected patients and the medical professionals treating those patients to save lives. This cooperative work was a ray of sunshine in the midst of some very bleak daily news. We know that Satan loves to sow discord, disappointment, and hopelessness in our daily lives in his efforts to separate us from you. Thank you for shining light on Satan's efforts and reminding us that no matter what happens in our lives on earth, that our real destination and home is with you, guaranteed by your son, Jesus Christ, to all who believe in his saving grace. Dear Lord, thank you for moderate weather and for aiding firefighters battling wildfires throughout our Western states. Please, Holy Spirit, comfort the hearts of those who have lost possessions or loved ones in these tragedies and guide us to share what we can to help those in need. We continue to pray for our president and all who serve the citizens of our nation at all levels of government. Holy Father, we continue to pray for the safety of all military members, firefighters and paramedics who serve to protect us all. We ask your special protection for police officers everywhere who are physically and mentally under attack 
by enemies of good order and public safety, aided and encouraged by mindless or misguided politicians. We thank you for healing our loved ones, families, including our church family and friends of their brokenness in whatever form that takes. Holy Father, thank you for having human history from the beginning of life to our future with you, written for our benefit in Holy Scripture. Holy Spirit, help us to understand our past sins and transgressions, the Lord's continual discipline to cause our repentance, and his ultimate saving grace through faith in Christ. Help us not repeat the sins of the past. Lord Almighty, this very joyous season can be very lonely and desperate for many people leading to great despair. Please, Holy Spirit, open our eyes and our hearts to see the person and the souls around us who need encouragement, a loving word, material support like food, clothing, or shelter, or anything else that shows that they have real value as human beings. Help us see with your eyes, Heavenly Father. We also pray that you cause the healing of broken relationships and the unintended victims, like children. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding us in our hearts that regardless of the trials and tragedies on earth, there are many because of our sin. That a Merry Christmas is a result of your saving grace in Jesus and the incomprehensible joy that is promised when we come home to you. Help us to share this hope, this assurance, this guarantee with everyone. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and ever-living God. You comforted your people with the promise of the Redeemer through whom you will also make all things new in the day when he comes again to judge the world in righteousness. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, 
Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks and then he broke it giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his triumphant coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now, we will have communion as uh, we usually do now during this uh, COVID time, and um, uh, you will uh, be called up by the uh, ushers. And as you know, this meal, this, these elements that are combined with uh, the Word and your faith are means of grace. And they are powerful, and they are a gift, and they are unexpected. Come, the table is prepared. Was blind, but now I see.
When you least expect it, expect it. It won't be too big a surprise because you expect it. You heard about it, and he's been making you ready, just like the baptizer was preparing the way. So has every pastor that's ever spoken the gospel truth to you has preached Christ and him crucified for you, and you're ready in his time, and now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our closing hymn is Blessed Assurance. Love